Oh my God, you guys, hi, my name is Eureka O'Hara, all the way from RuPaul's Drag Race, season nine and 10, and the always evolving HBO show, we're here. I am taking over Coach Mike's podcast today. I'm so excited because he just released his new book called One Decision. It is a segue from his original book called Best Self, and I'm so excited that I get to interview him today and be the only queen in charge. How does that make you feel, Mike? Are you ready for me to interview you? I feel more subdued. Submissive and ready than ever. Ooh, not submissive. <laughs> it's getting filthy over here already, and I just took a shower. Okay, I'm excited. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, thank you, Coach, for having me. I loved Best Self. I love the wizard that you created. So I'm just excited to divulge a little bit. And I, and I, no, and and I, and I appreciate you doing this. You know, we spent. Thanksgiving together at my house, Christmas. I asked you to do this. You know, this is the only interview on this podcast that's going to be about one decision, the first step to a better life. And uh, I thought you'd be the perfect person to do it because of the conversations we have, my love and respect for you. So thank you. Oh, stop. You're going to make me blush. And I have way too much foundation on for that. Um, so luckily they don't have to see us. They could just hear my beautiful voice. So I'm glad to be here too. Oh, thanks. Thank you. Also, just so you all are aware, the turkey at Thanksgiving was delicious. You thought so? so? I thought it was good. You didn't? I thought the food was okay. I thought uh, it was good. Yeah. The potatoes were a little undercooked. I know. Jonathan. Oh no. Jonathan. Jonathan, if you hear this, I'm kidding. No, we're not. <laughs> but we still love you, girl. But we I do. love that you brought like not a full pie. It was like half a pie. Well, I had the feeling that if I brought the whole pie, you would eat the whole pie and then hate me the next day. Oh, so it was really looking out for me. That's yeah. what you were doing. Yeah. Uh, no, actually, not really. I just, I was supposed to go to another shindig and my friend had convinced me like, oh my God, we're not going to have enough for that one. So let's do this one. So then I had some in the car. I literally had a whole other pie in the car. Yeah. And a cake. But did you really want it all secretly? No, I felt loved. So yeah. thank you. Oh, there was love in that pecan pie, mama. I hunted for that half a pecan pie. Literally, put, none of the pavilions had it. I had to go to, what's that uh, fancy healthy store over there? Not Trader Whole Foods. Joe's Sprouts. Not Sprouts, not Trader. Is it Whole oh, Foods? Oh, Gelson's. It's like American or something. I don't remember. Air One. Girl, it's something fancy, honey. It yeah. looks like you're walking into a little like office building. <laughs> they check your temperature at the door. Seriously? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Um, I forget. Bristol the name. Farms. Bristol Farms. Yep, that's it. Bristol Farms, and they had one half of a pecan pie left. Well, and something it. in my spirit said I needed to bring it, and that's what you ate. I I, yeah. I chewed on it. You it was ate okay. Mama, she ate it, it was, down. It she was, heated it up in the microwave. It I was crackling it and melting. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it made an appearance for sure. <laughs> <laughs> an entrance and an exit. <laughs> I'm super excited to be here. Of course, coach, you know, I love you. Yeah. Um, also, this book is like a huge milestone for you. It's your yeah. second book, obviously. The first one was a bestseller. New York Times, um, yeah. Oh, yep. Yeah. Oh, casually New York Times <laughs> bestseller. Um, but also, like, this book goes hand in hand with the first book, which I really like. Yeah. It's kind of like the sequel. It's the sequel. Yeah. So it's like, obviously, best self is who you created, which is like this wizard persona, right. which I love. Thank right. You. Come on, Gandalf. <laughs> so yeah. it's, it was it was fun um i got to read and explore it a little bit so how excited are you that you yeah I'm, I'm excited i'm also just um grateful that someone would actually want to publish a book by me and 
you know, it's, it's, it's a milestone. I mean, it, and you're going to be writing a book and we, we've gotten together and spoke about mm-hmm. it. I hooked you up with my agent and love them. Yeah. And it seems easy because a lot of people say they write books. Yeah. And then, you know, really in my category, which is self-help, it's mm-hmm. how do I always think about who is the reader? Yeah. And how am I going to help them? And how can I help someone who's 25 years old and struggling to pay rent? And then how do I help someone who's maybe 60 years old who's in retirement? And how do I create something that can speak to both? You know? Yeah. Well, I think you do a good job, honestly. Um, even in Best Self, there's a lot of truth in it, a lot of honesty. Even knowing you as a person, listen, you guys, I've only known Coach Mike for like a couple years now at most, but he's been one of the most honest people I've ever met. Um, and you're very like to the point and blunt. And I think that's what's really special about these books is you are very one honest, vulnerable, but it's very blunt too. Yeah. You know, there's no bullshit. Excuse my language. Yeah. No, let it out. There's enough in this world. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So it's like best self and one decision is a no bullshit kind of read. That's like, it's things that people I think think about. Yeah. Um, and, but they don't process it well. Uh, there's a few things in your book, actually, that I'm obsessed with. Tell me. One is obviously that you're the wizard, right? That's your best self. Yeah. Where did the wizard come from? So in the previous book, I helped people identify. And, you know, this came from working with talent and artists. Okay. Was trying to figure out what is their artistic expression and who they are. And then who is that part of them that's keeping them from being that. So I love everything that's magical. Mm-hmm. I just think fantasy, yeah. sci-fi style or Magic the Gathering. And I always think like we're all kind of wizards of our own making. We all have different spells we can cast. Uh, Some of us can mm-hmm. cast a spell like you can of performance art and doing it your own version. And other people it may be, you know, crunching numbers. But we all have gifts. And mm-hmm. uh, for me, I also wanted to develop a character that at a certain point as time fades or age fades (laughs) that I would have a representation of me Mm. that uh, could go through different channels. And so like I have a little animation series I created, I have kids book I want to do down the road, like the wizard who couldn't cast a spell. Like I want to kind of expand that out. I know that like with the child's book, things like that, it brought a question into my mind. So did the whole magical like wizard thing, is there like something from your childhood that like when you decided, oh, I'm a wizard or I love magic, right? Was right. there like a moment? You know, I loved Alice in Wonderland. Oh, really? Loved. Okay. To the point where I wanted to get all the kids on my cul-de-sac to play out different characters, like someone to be oh, the caterpillar. Really? <laughs> someone to I'll play be the out. Cheshire cat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I always loved that. And I always loved uh just like, you know, who are you? Like that's mm. what the caterpillar says over and over again. Yeah. To Alice. And it's who are you? And I think that is the biggest challenge mm-hmm. for people. Yeah. It's the biggest reason why people end up taking their own life. It's the biggest reason why they don't follow their dreams. It's yeah. the biggest is they either have a damaged perception of who they are or they're afraid of being themselves. And so yeah. that's kind of like, you know, fantasy Alice in Wonderland. I also love Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And I love at the end, uh, if when you see the movie, he gives back the golden ticket. And that's kind of how I've looked at life in a lot of ways is standing up for your own integrity above opportunity love that 
And so I guess the combination of those two with a little bit of Magic the Gathering <laughs> created. So you said Magic the Gathering a lot. Have yeah. you played that a lot? Oh, I just played it yesterday. Oh, you love it. I love it. Yeah, it's like meditative to me. Yeah. It's like a role-playing card game. I know, because I'm a nerd. Right. So I love it. You're a super nerd. Um, and I love Magic too. That's the craziest thing. I think that creative people in general tend to like uh, have uh very creative ideas when it comes to like things they like to watch so fantasy is a big thing right obviously and you're very creative i mean a lot of the things that you're doing here it might be um everyday life type stuff but it's very creative like there's a this is basically a workbook yes I noticed. it's and that's you know, you know and that's that's the the challenge uh-huh. is you know when i'm working with clients I can do draw on any topic. I can drop, create an exercise and experience, mm-hmm. like let it go. When you write a book, you have to think, all right, well, how am I going to not lose someone? How am I going to get them to do the work? How do I make it fun enough? Because for me, if it's not fun to work on self, mm-hmm. I don't want to do it. So right. I've, I kind of try to create that. There's this perception that self-help and you know, personal development and mental health has got to be tough and it's doing the work on yourself. And it's just, Mm -hmm. I try to kind of eliminate that idea. In the late 70s, a brotherhood of criminals lived by one unbreakable rule. Yeah, don't snitch. Those who did ended up in the ground. He had dirt under his fingernails like he had tried to dig his way out. And when their own kids turned on them, they would do anything and they didn't care who they had to kill. The Killing Month, August 1978, is the new podcast from WRAL. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts. You have this image that is very, like, you know, masculine and blue collar and clean cut and you know, you really have yourself together. So to hear you talk about all the fun side yeah. of like getting your life together, that's what people forget. Like this is to take you to a positive place. You have a lot of like um, notes in your book about p- the positive force, the negative force, mm-hmm. like the force will be with you yeah, uh, kind of thing. So for you, like where did that come from? The positive and negative force and how you're using it here in your book? Well, I love an acronym. Mm-hmm. Like, I know, I, I noticed. I live for an yeah. acronym. <laughs> the and, four O's, oh, all kind of things. Four, yeah. And the four O's took me forever to figure out. And I love anything that. I do, I push myself not to copy anyone. Yeah. You know, literally, I, I think I tweeted out the other night I posted this. Actually, I tweeted out. I'll tell you this tweet because it really is how I try to live by is when you copy others, you limit yourself. Yeah. And it's so easy to copy. It's so easy to be like, I'm an inspiration. I was a drug addict. You know, I struggle with being gay. Like, you know, and that is one lane of self-help, but it's a little too narcissistic for me. So I like to help others. Yeah. I I love helping people who need a way out of their own thinking. And acronym-wise, I mean, I'm just, I love an acronym. It's like, my last book, I had Chow F, and I say it sounds like a mm-hmm. Chinese restaurant, but it's a recipe for change. And it's yeah. curiosity and honesty, open-mindedness, willingness, focus. The force, the, the positive force and negative force. And first, I was going to call a, another version of this book POS because it, uh-huh. it would have been called like piece of shit, people thought, but it really meant personal operating system. And it's all oh, about how uh, we, yeah. like I have all these concepts I create, right? And then- I really was thinking, okay, with everything that's going on this year, last year, 
how do we help people start making decisions that are one decision away that's easy to do decisions with Mm -hmm. purpose that someone can make today? And if I can help someone just make one decision today towards where they want to go in their life, Mm -hmm. it's a success. And to ignore the boogeyman. (laughs) (laughs) So when I was reading about the positive and negative force, one of my favorite things that you reference is this boogeyman Mm -hmm. that you talk about. And, you know, everyone does have that own personal boogeyman. And it's us. It's like, I don't know if you ever saw it, but there's this movie from it's a Disney Channel original movie. It was called Don't Look Under the Bed. Sounds familiar. Um, it's it's random if you haven't seen it. It's, I mean, it's literally like Zoog Disney, like old school Disney Channel yeah. original movie. Um, and it was one of my favorites um, when I was actually an older teen. It wasn't like growing up. I was actually older because it's um, the idea that the boogeyman under the bed is the imaginary friend that you forgot about. Mm. But it's a mirror of yourself. Right. And that's who the boogeyman that party is. That you forgot. Yeah. And that's really what the boogeyman in your book, I think, comes across as is that it's that voice in the back of your head. I mean, people say like, oh, it's the devil or it's yeah. the demons or it's the this or that's that. But it's those negative narratives. Right. Yeah. So I think I it's that. easy. It's easy to blame something as a demon. Yeah, you're right. I mean, and that's where I'm saying mm-hmm. free thought would go. Well, let's explore that. Because it's so easy to categorize everything just as what we've heard, but then we authentically need to figure out, like, is that right for me? Is that true? Yeah, the boogeyman is like the the scary monster. The Really, the scary monster is the beliefs we start having about ourselves when we were kids. You know, and you and I have talked about this. You know, you, you are an example of how you had to put the boogeyman to rest based on oh, how yeah. you grew up. Yeah. I mean, the boogeyman can be a scary guy. But uh, <laughs> in your book, the way that you kind of attack the boogeyman and how you can like create a thinking process around it is really important, obviously. I mean, I actually resonated with it, like you're saying, because um, I have been through a lot. You yeah. know, a lot of us have. And a lot of that boogeyman is taught over time, you know, where it's like sometimes it's just what people say about us. And then we allow it to be a narrative in our head. And then we create this narrative. And it's funny that you say, like, people want to blame the demons a lot. And obviously, you're not talking down about Christianity or religion. I'm very, we're very, we're both very believable, believer type people. But it's more about just this idea that we have to take responsibility for those negative thoughts, mm-hmm. right? And you uh, got it. You you nailed it. It's taking mm-hmm. responsibility. Yeah. And the authenticity you mention a lot mm-hmm. in your book. So something that I really love, actually, and it's in the beginning of the book. It's pretty early. It's the one decision paradigm, the four steps, because you talk so much about all this authenticity and expressing yourself, being yourself. So I want to share it with the, the listeners. Um, the first step is to creating a better life for ourselves is to live as our best self. Segway from book number one. If y'all haven't read best self, go get it. Um, Step two, when we are being our best self, we are able to see obstacles as opportunities. I underlined obstacles as opportunities because I hadn't thought about that. Um, So I want to get into that in a minute. Number three, when we see opportunities, we can make authentic decisions. And then number four, when our decisions are authentic, we can let go and let the universe decide. So these four steps, how'd you come up with this and what was the reason? I wanted to build confidence. A lot of what I've come to realize that I write about is being yourself. Yeah. And, and it's an oversaturated thing. You know, it's funny. I see people even online talking about authenticity mm-hmm. and who who even I know behind the scenes. And I'm like, 
is so not authentic, you know, but (laughs) so it gets like, it's very confusing. Mm -hmm. I think we can know within ourselves at a spiritual, soulful level when we are just being our truth. First, I want people to realize who they are is enough. And then I want people to realize that when we're able to see things through a certain lens, that's being authentic. Yeah. When we just focus on problems and issues, that's just, honestly, that's just not being our best self. And so, and it all starts. That's why, like, even in the gift bags, I gave like glasses and such, because it's all about how it's as simple as how do you look at life differently? Mm -hmm. And then how do you make decisions now? And then you can let the universe decide. Yeah. Well, my favorite part is literally where it says you'll be able to see your obstacles as opportunities. So what do you mean by obstacles as opportunities? Because I take that several ways. Where do you take it? Uh, For me, I see it like, obviously, everything that we think we can't overcome, it's an opportunity to overcome it. You know, Mm -hmm. that's what I get from it. It's like, we, we just assume we can't do this, we can't do that. But it's like, well, who says? Only you do, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's really easy to go through life and not look at opportunities. It's, it's easier. The mindset would rather look at obstacles or problems or issues and And so like where rose colored glasses kind of say, well, just look through a different lens. This book is really about how do you make decisions from that other lens? So, yeah. So my next thing is going to get kind of segued over to another moment, but I was really shocked and excited to see your tattoo of your wizard in the book. (laughs) Yeah. There's so much in this book that I think that you are offering of yourself, Uh you know? And there's a big part that I really want to dive in. And before we get into too much more of the book, there's something really special about this book that you decided to share. And it was you coming out. Right. Um, And it's like, is that your one decision? There's a lot of references in the book where you talk about that being a part of your one decision, right? It's like, um, there's moments in here where you talk about, okay, so this is my one decision. What's the cause and effect of that decision? And how does it like progress into, you know, the good or what the path is going to be from there and letting the universe take over. So why now, you know? Yeah. Well, I think, well now, because it's about, it's really about the reader. And so I say in the book, I'm talking about, these are the, three most critical authentic decisions that I've made in my life. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of need to talk about it a little bit. And part of that is it segues into an exercise is I want to build people's confidence in that they've actually made decisions from an authentic place. Like when we look back at our lives and we go, I'm really proud of this decision or that decision from my experience, almost a hundred percent of the time, It's when we operate from what I call your best self or being authentic. I think sometimes we forget that. Yeah. Like, for example, Uh and I know you struggle with this at times. Okay. So I'll bring you into the mix on this. Pull my layers back. What's that? I said, peel my layers back. Well, you're you're a bit of a people pleaser a little bit. I am. A part of you, right? Of course. Okay. Yeah. And more so than me. I would Mm -hmm. say, even though I help people for a living and that's what, but you people please. And, And it's... And it's one of those things where with someone who people pleases, if they go into a meeting Mm -hmm. or they go meet new relationships, that they're the outcome of how that meeting goes or those relationships, if they don't go what they perceive as everyone's happy, they struggle. Mm -hmm. They can't let go of the outcome. They can't go. It's harder for people like that to go. uh, I was being myself. Therefore, the outcome's okay. It takes a lot of practice for someone who's more of a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, 
that's where people can get pretty upset is they start to lose themselves yeah. because it can become about other people's reactions, right? Like you, you're in a profession where there's a lot of drag queens. Oh yeah. And there's a lot of up and coming drag queens uh -huh. and a lot of attitudes and a lot of attitudes. Yeah. And, and we're both kind of in this career where it's about being wanted, mm -hmm. where For to sure. some degree success is how much do people want you? Yeah. And so it's important to always, and what I believe is it's more important to be creatively yourself, express yeah. yourself, be in your vibe, be in your moment, be in your art, speak your truth than the outcome. Right. And, and that's for, that's for anyone going into job interviews. That's for anyone who's wanting people to follow them on social media. Yeah. At the end of the day, the most important outcome that you could have is when you're yourself. And, and that's, that's, I ingrain that over and over and over again. And people often get confused. They go, well, who am I? What does that mean? Or yeah. I hate myself. And you know, a lot of what I love help, helping people do is just realize that they're important, they're seen, they're unique, mm -hmm. and that give them permission to just start living that way. Yeah. So um, now that you read me for Phil, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I didn't read you. It's no, I love it. I it's honest. It's true. It's I am, you know, naturally. I think a lot of us are people pleasers, and I have my moments. You know, um, it's really for me who I care about, but it's also just a part of how I was raised. I think, you know, I think we, some of us are raised in a, in a way where you almost start to develop this shell of self-worth is what other people think of you or like your worth to other people. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, when you're constantly a helper growing up, you, it comes off into your, uh, your adulthood. It's definitely something I've had to face. So it's, it's very intuitive that you've noticed, right? Something that I work on, but at the same time, I think that sometimes, um, we can all avoid the real reason behind what we do things. And everything that you just said was great, but you did not answer the magic question. Which is and what? it's like, I want to know about Mike right now. Like, I want to know about you. <laughs> like, I want to know why you are deciding to come out fully yeah. publicly to your audience. Like, there's obviously been hesitation. There's probably been fear there, too. Right. Maybe a little bit of that people pleasing that you're talking about in well, a way. Professionally, of course. Well, I think, you know what it is? I don't want to be... I don't want to be categorized, you know, like I feel like who I am attracted to is a comma in my name. And Work. right now, if you look at, you know, there's kind of a place in culture for, for men, if they want to go the route of being more flamboyant or what one could call flamboyant or expressive yeah. in that way. And for me, it's like, okay, well, this weird thing when you're gay or who, for me, who I'm attracted to, mm -hmm. that a lot of people I meet assume, potentially I'm straight or women yeah. do. And it's this odd thing where you feel like you're having to constantly say it over and over again. Right. And I just wanted to create a moment where I could say it. Yeah. And go from there. But I just, I didn't... It's almost like, well, what am I supposed to, like in the last book, it wasn't really about that. So this yeah. book is all about making authentic decisions. So I was like, okay, let's put it in this book now. Well, and that makes sense because I think that what you're saying in this book, more than anything, like all the work, all the worksheets and things are wonderful. But I think the message for me, what I'm getting is your one decision 
is to be authentically you. Right. That's the biggest and most important part of making like a one decision for your life. And to be authentically you, I think coming out is very important. It seems like in this book. Yeah. It's like, if you're not shedding everything that is that facade, because we all have our, like our working relationships and our, our image to be professional and Mm -hmm. this and that, we don't have to display everything about our personal selves in the working environment because it's unreasonable. It's also like a little rude at times, you know, it's not professional necessarily, but for you, it's like a huge step to say, you know, to a public that you naturally work with that's more heteronormative right you know you're not publicly in the lgbtq community a lot of your work has been heterosexual like uh business and that type of professional environment so yeah for you to come out as gay in this book to those fans it's a big it's a big deal like it's huge mike yeah. it's huge and I mean, I think that you minimize it a little bit because mm. you're like, you're, you don't want to be categorized as just gay. Cause that's not all that you are. Right. right? Which is wonderful. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like if you're going to be authentically you, it's like such a brave move that you're like, you know what? I want you all to be authentic. This is me being authentic right, right now. And this is me telling you, you know what it is. Yeah, gay. you're right. Yeah. And I think, I think I do, I do minimize. Yeah. I'm basically saying this is who I am. And potentially some people may not embrace that. And yeah. I'm totally okay with that. Well, of course you are. You're, you know what I mean? Mike motherfucking bear. Excuse <laughs> right. my language. <laughs> but like, I also, you know, I, I think it's just, for me, it's that getting sober and starting a business are like my top three where mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, this is where I believed in myself enough and not lived by anyone else's ideas mm-hmm. of, who I should be. And I made those decisions on my own that were like a God moment. You know, when I came out to my parents, that was a God moment. That was a spiritual experience. That Mm -hmm. was a surreal moment. Yeah. You know, which often coming out doesn't get uh, put in this category of being a God moment. That was a God moment for me. That was one of my first. I'm curious. I basically, yeah. So I basically went to, um, uh, back then (laughs) we had like (laughs) AOL and that was it. Yeah. And uh, I met someone who lived in Laguna Beach. I grew up in Laguna Hills. And he was older. And uh, he, just a friend, purely friendship. Yeah. And he invited me to go to Long Beach Gay Pride. And during that period of time, I was already dabbling in drugs quite a bit and going okay. to raves. And uh, my mom. Teenager? Is this like yeah, your teenager? Years? Yeah. So, of course. Okay. So I was 19 years old at this point. Okay. And I was driving home from Long Beach Pride. And um, I came home and my mom was waiting. Yeah. She's like, where were you? Uh-huh. And I said, I was in Long Beach at a concert. And she's like, there were no concerts in Long Beach, Michael. Oh, wow. So she, she goes, already knew. And I was driving home. And at the time, there was this Goo Goo Dolls song. Mm-hmm. And the lyric goes it's something like, and I don't want the world to know me because I don't think that they'll understand. And I don't want the world to know me because I don't think that. Yeah, of course. When everything seems to be broken, and, I just want yeah, them to know who I am. I just want them to know who I am. Yep, yes. So I pulled up in my white Mercury Sable uh, to the oh, driveway. Okay. <laughs> white Beauty. And when my mom said there were no concerts. Uh, she goes, the only thing going on was gay pride. And I said, well, yeah, I was at gay pride. And she goes, wow. no, you weren't. Stop lying. And then, Work. yeah. And then I said, no, I was really there. And she's like, that's not Michael. Stop lying. 
And then eventually, like a few weeks later, she accepted it. But that's like... So what? a couple weeks later, she came to you and was like, so let's go back to this moment where you said you were at Gay Pride. Right. Is that kind of how that went down? Kind of. Like, I also, like, had told my siblings, so my siblings would have okay. conversations. And then, you know, for me, I, I went with the homecoming queen in high school. I yeah. was the star basketball player. Yeah. Like, I was a popular kid who could hang out with a lot of different people. And, like, I didn't, I hadn't told any of my friends. And when you're in high school, your friends are more important than your family. Yeah, I mean, you're also around those people more than you are your family. Right, and you tell them more than you tell your family. Absolutely. And you're, like, finding yourself. So, like, I was friends with so many people and I went to this prestigious Catholic school Yeah, where in school, literally, mm -hmm. fact, I was in Father Robert's religion class at Modern Day High School. One of the uh, courses was on sexuality and uh, you were graded on whether someone could be, it was a choice to be gay or straight. Now, at that point, I already was like, whatever, I'm gay and I'm uh -huh. not gonna tell everyone. But there were so many messages the reality is, and this is what, what I'm trying to say is my language is weird because I don't understand. A, I don't understand why it matters. Mm -hmm. I do in theory, like being gay. B, I don't know why it's like, it's just, it's a weird, it's a, why I say it's a weird thing because I still want, I want people to relate to who I am, not who I'm, or follow what I do, not yeah. who I'm attracted to. No, and absolutely. sometimes I feel like in culture, very quickly, you can get pushed into this thing. And at the same time, I'm proud for being gay. Yeah, I'm proud for being attracted to men. And the opportunity for me is I believe I can be someone who can go into all these arenas and hold their own and have these types of conversations. But it's a big deal because I haven't ever said it. Like, sure, on Instagram or Facebook, someone could look at my content and be like, oh, he's gay, right? But my hope is I can also help other people. Like, I know a lot of people still struggle with it who don't identify. Yeah. And, or they have a loved one or they have a family member. And sometimes, you know, it's like some, to me, it's getting honest with yourself. It's just like if someone made an authentic decision to get mm -hmm. honest about some trauma they had. Yeah. That they were going to keep a secret. It's like, I want to give people permission to be themselves, even at the right. cost of feeling like, oh, people won't love me anymore. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's been weird. It is weird. It is weird for you. Yeah, it's, it's okay. Weird. It's okay to say that. I mean, yeah. I don't think there... The thing is, is like... First of all, coming out is hard in general because I think throughout our lives as queer people, we have so many moments where we have to come out. Mm -hmm. And for you in a way, like your original coming out story with your family is one thing. This is a whole nother type of coming out for you. Yeah. Like this is another coming out story because it's more professional based. But also I understand what you're saying. Like you don't want to be categorized as like, okay, if, cause there has, I mean, not saying that there's fear there, but there is concern in some way where like, this is your livelihood. This is what you do for a living. Um, people see you and perceive you this way and it's gotten you where you are. And it's obviously been perceived very positive. Is there going to be a lot of negative coming out or is it going to affect my life or my job or are people going to look me different or is it going to change my fan base? You know, a lot of that's a lot of change too, which is kind of scary. 
But the biggest thing, too, is your image isn't flamboyantly gay, uh-huh. you know? But I think that's where the strength, where you're going to be able to help people, and I think that's the idea that you're telling me, really, is you want to also show those men that aren't necessarily, like, the flamboyant gays that might have a different type of lifestyle than stereotypical gay. You know, the stereotypes is what really wears it out. Yeah, I know. Because it's like there's the stereotype of what gay is and how you act and what you enjoy. But why can't we just all be human? That's, and like that's it. certain people act a certain way and it's and there's nothing wrong with it. But there are a lot of men that probably feel the exact same way that you do. Yeah, and, and like like yeah. I'm I'm friends with you and some other friends who I would say are more camp in terms of yeah. like their expression. That's really who they are. At the same token, I'm also friends with people who are heterosexual fighters mm-hmm. who are male like fight for a living and to me i'm like why wouldn't we all be inclusive like yeah it's such an odd thing to me that it's a thing well it is an odd thing that it's a thing but that's the one decision is to be authentically you in your authenticity it's not breaking from what you do every day just by saying hey i'm gay right it's like this book that's what i like about You know, in the book, you don't go on and on about being gay, which I think is nice. You know, it's not like you're trying to tell like your whole life story. And like, I went through all these horrible things because I'm gay and this and that, because that's not the case. You know what I mean? Being gay has just been a part of you. Yeah. But you got to your best self by appreciating it and loving it and being authentically that. And this is a way for you to show other people that they can do it too. Hi, this is Rachel Yucatel, and I'm here to invite you to listen to my podcast, Misunderstood with Rachel Yucatel. This podcast delves into the lives of those who have been reduced to a single headline. Each episode will take a closer look at the stories of those who are on a mission to change their narrative. Join me as we uncover the truth behind the misconceptions, shed light on the stories of those who have perhaps been wrongfully portrayed, explore the complexities of the human experience, and celebrate the power of second chances. Who doesn't love a good comeback story? It's also a way to hopefully uh, disintegrate something that isn't reality. Yeah. Like, I just think, like, you know, I'll get love letters from women. Like, it probably would help them realize that. Yeah, maybe they can keep the fantasy going. But I'm just saying it's it's also just kind of like, I wasn't a public-facing figure whatsoever up until two years ago. Mm -hmm. So I think I feel like some of it is, like, how much do you show and how much do you not? Yeah, And I think there's, I'm completely authentic in my life and I try to be authentic in my work. It's, I always have this thinking of, we're trained in school. Honestly, this is how it's trained as counselors. You don't divulge much of you. In fact, like you, a lot of the families I worked with for years, they didn't know if I was gay or straight. They didn't know if I was Christian or Jewish. They didn't know hardly even what city I lived in. And that's the art of what we're taught in school. So I think some of it is like, as I've helped people in a bigger way, it's, it's how do you, if you're helping people, how, what do you put out there that's going to help people? What do you give of yourself? Yeah. That's why I was like, in this book, it was so important to me to say it because how could I write a, how could I write a book about the most important decisions in my life and helping others define them in their lives yeah. and not touch on this. I so it forced that. me to just do it. It kind of married the two. Well, it's a big decision you had to make, a one decision. Yeah. Apparently, there's been several one decisions in your life. Yeah. Um, and that's that's a big one. But it doesn't define who you are completely. So I understand the separation. I think it's very powerful. It's really, really brave of you to do it. 
just open up about it to the world. Yeah. What you have. I think it's important. Yeah. And I'm going to say this and it, it'll sound. <laughs> it'll sound, sound. what? It won't sound great. Right. Yeah. Okay. But I think for whatever reason. And it's why like, you know, is if someone's gay or LGBT humor is such a part of what is out there. Mm hmm. It's like elevated, exaggerated, extreme humor. Mm -hmm. It's like funny times 100. Yeah. And I think that sometimes it, there aren't a lot of arenas that people who are LGBT are in that are mainstream. Yeah. Sure, they are if they're iconic figures. But you're right. But they're like, it's, you can very easy, easily slide into this thing. And I just, it is a comma in our name. And I also think that like, you know, I want to be taken seriously. Yeah. You know, even though I like to have fun, I also want people to be like, all right, he's legitimately passionate, driven, really thinks about the work to help people, really goes above and beyond and what he wants to do to have someone feel like they're loved and embraced. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I feel like, I mean, look, we were gays weren't even allowed to be married until recently. Yeah. It's like you come from a different time, come from a different time. And a lot of the people I engage with are from that time. Yeah. So, well, yeah, no, I, it makes perfect sense where your resistance came from. Yeah. And it's, it's a weird time for you. You're coming out again, like right. a whole, to a whole new world though. Yeah. Right. I think that, um, it's probably timing that is helping you do it too. You know, you get to a point where it kind of gets exhausting, mm -hmm. you know, having to like not be able to really talk about it or not knowing or how you know what it is. It's not, it's not knowing when or when to talk about it. Yeah. It's like, what is the context that it is helpful? Mm -hmm. Because like, that's the thing is it's like, it is a, what I find in this, in the coaching world is. There's so much, I mean, there, I can't tell you, and it's, and it drives me a little crazy. How many coaches have never actually coached anyone? Like you literally have coaches creating certification programs. Yeah. And they're, they're just inspirational people. That's talent. Talent's inspirational. They're characters yeah. of talent. And so sometimes I'm like, okay, how much do I divulge before I then become that instead of I love helping the neighbor next door. I love helping the people on Dr. Phil. I love, yeah. you know, and, and by the way, I never had a vision to write a book, be in the public face it of anything. Happened. Yeah. And I think no matter how much we work through our trauma and being gay was really hard for me growing up, extremely hard. Yeah. That like, there's a bit of it like, oh, am I going to get wounded? Like there's a small part that's like, oh, am I going to get uh, shit on or um, made fun of or like are gay people going to be mean to me like to I don't I don't actually that. find that like for me I haven't found and I'm not a part of I'm part of friend I'm part of humanity not yeah. community I'm a part of like people that I love and care about but again I think there's an exaggerated meanness there's an exaggerated cattiness there's an exaggerated like that like to me I'm I guess I'm a little like, how do I do this thing mm -hmm. and like do it in a way that I'm proud of myself and respected. Yeah. And, and by the way, some of this could be 
like I even talking about the book fortune telling or overgeneralizing. And I'm not yeah. trying to do that. It's just, yeah, I think when you've been hurt when you're a kid, yeah, you're almost like, do I want to give this to someone to hurt me? And then I made the decision. I'm like, yeah, I, what's more important is I help other people. Well, I mean, you're, you're being authentically you and you're showing people that like, this is what you have to do. This is what the book's all about. Right. You know, if you, if you didn't expose this part of yourself, then the book would be, you know, invalid in a way Correct. too, because it's like the one decision is the authenticity, you know, and showing that vulnerable side is what's making you relatable. Right. You know, and I think there comes a time when, for my personal opinion, seeing you and like how you interact on social media and reading your books, you know, I think that you're coming into a time in your life where you're willing and you're open to being vulnerable and right. relatable to people. Like you're maybe at a point in your life where it's like, you know, I've, you know, I've taken very good care of myself. I've, I've really landed my business. Everything's really in order. Now I want to help people in a different way right. because you can help people on a such a personal level when you open up your own stuff to them. Right. Because then it's relatable. Cause then it, like, just like when you talk about um, your past with addiction, yeah, that's what makes you relatable is it's like, wow, that guy went from those horrible stories to, you know, having his own business and a yeah. successful company and this beautiful home and this polished, beautiful lifestyle. And that's where you can really, create change is, right. and that's where you become a leader of people is so i think it's kind of that with the gay thing too is it's like you know i might be gay but look at all the success that i've had this is the way i still carry myself like i don't have to be defined by being gay there's Correct. no sense and it, you know some days girl no matter who you are whether you're gay or straight i'll say men um are so wrapped in this toxic masculinity of where we're grown up. And it's those ideals that men act like men and women act like women. Yeah. So it's not just gay men that struggle with that. The struggles that you're struggling with is also something that straight men deal with. Right. Because as soon as they show a little bit of that feminine side, oh, all of a sudden they're not much of a masculine. Anymore. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like randomly I saw a TikTok where this girl was like, uh, her husband came and like laid on her chest and she was videoing him privately. And he was like being all like kissy, kissy and sweet with her and blah, blah, blah. And as soon as he noticed that she was recording, he jumps up off the bed and he's like, yo, what the fuck you do that for? Raw, raw, raw. My boys follow you. Raw, raw. You know? And it's just like, but in that moment, it what he didn't look gay. He just looked like he loved this woman. Right. So it's like he was afraid to show this true vulnerability because of this image thing that we're taught. Yeah. You know, so what you're doing is important. It's powerful because, you know, you don't have to look or be a certain way to be a man or to be successful because you've done it this long. Right. You know, and if you decide to queen out one day because you want to snap, snap the fingers or. Yeah, I'm fine. Caddy. Yeah, no, you I'm fine. You know what it is? It's it's. It's um, but you it's don't have been to long, be. No, I'm here. Yeah, I, it's been a long time coming. I just didn't have the right window, yeah, or thing in which I could say it and just own it. And maybe you weren't ready. You know, weirdly, maybe that was just something that you weren't ready for yet, which right. is okay. Yeah, maybe you were busy doing other shit. I just didn't have. <laughs> you know a, what I mean? Honestly, I didn't have a place for it. Right, like I, it just felt so random. I'd rather have it if people want to hear about the re the, they're like, okay, I bought one decision and I got it. Cause those are the people I'm actually connected to or the people yeah. who buy my work. Otherwise it's like, 
who am I connecting with and how am I helping them or how am I inspiring or motivating or changing or whatever it is they need to do in their life. And so uh, I'm proud that it's in one decision. I'm proud that yeah. I got it out there so I don't need to. Well, you know, I'm proud of you too. Thank you. I am. And we won't make this whole conversation, y'all, about the gay thing. I just had to get out there. It's a lot to talk about. It's a lot to unpack, really, if you think about it. It is. Um, but it's not the biggest part of the book. You know, I think even that part and the book, the biggest part is being authentically you. Yeah, you know? that's it. So, and then overcoming the obstacles. And, that, and, 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 and that's the thing. It's with being authentically you. So it's like, you know, like I said, it's a comma. So that's like, there's a thousand descriptions of all of us. Mm -hmm. And oh, it's yeah. being authentically what that is in your own version of that. And I think we often take out the commas. Mm -hmm. We remove the comma, we remove the descriptors that are actually <laughs> us. And yeah. so I'm really about going, no, let's put them back in there and let's start making some decisions. Well, I love that actually with decision making. The biggest thing I think that I also love, one of the glasses that I got. Yeah. And um, I thought they were actually really cool. And they were wide enough to fit my face. Amazing. So uh, I wore them last night in the hot tub while I was like kind of skimming your book <laughs> with my glass of wine and my little book reader. I was filling my fantasy. That's great. Um, I, I mean, honestly, I don't fit in normal bathtubs. So usually when I'm in the hot tub, I'm just like... Hey y'all, see you later. I'm gonna take a bath. You know, <laughs> so I was. That's my bathtub Wait, time. You know? Where were you were in your bathtub last night? Yeah, in my bathtub gotcha. slash hot tub. <laughs> yeah, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I really loved. There's a lot of things I made marks in. Like I'm telling you, I went through this. And another thing I liked here is a quote that I found on page 112 for all of our readers yes. out there. The main reason we engage in fortune telling is that we think it will protect us from rejection. You mentioned the fortune telling thing. Yeah. You know, we all do it. We all do it. And it's this idea of like, you're trying to come up with what's going to happen. Yeah. Before it even happens. Exactly. It's not, it's not even predicting. Yeah. It's like fortune. It's, it's believing it's fact. Cause you create the scenarios Created. in your head and all of a sudden now you're stressed out about it. You're upset about it and it ain't even happened yet. Correct. And I think everyone does that. Everyone does. But yeah. it's it's uh it's so in cognitive behavioral therapy there's something called it's called CBT CBT Ooh. and it's cognitive distortion. So what it, what the force is is the negative force, which is an acronym, mm -hmm. looks at your cognitive distortions. Yeah. The positive force is all the hacks to get out of those distortions. Uh -huh. So, um, but yeah, fortune telling is a real thing. I mean. And why, I mean, look at the fortune telling business. Why that? Why on earth are people going to fortune tellers? I understand that some people want to believe what they want to believe. And some people uh, believe in all this type of stuff. They're looking for the future. They're looking for some hope. They're yeah. looking for guidance. They're looking for someone yeah. to say, no, you're going to be okay. But when it's done in a negative way, which is more often what's happening, somebody's really predicting something like, oh, they're going to say that. Oh, I could never do that. Yeah. And that's so limiting. Like the universe, I always say the universe wants us to win. I if agree. we allow it. Yeah. Fortune telling is also where, you know, this idea that we're going to get rejected lives. And then what I have people do and we do in one decision is you write down the facts. You write down the facts of what's really going on. And it's really interesting how when you can change your perspective, how much better you feel and just overall how much you get more out of life yeah you know people have this idea of doing the work like i said before in self-help that like you know suddenly you're going to be having someone 
put their finger across your face, you know, or you're going to be laying, you know, doing, doing EMDR, you're going to be laying back doing, you know, analytical stuff like for three hours kicking back. But the reality is it's literally just changing your perspective. Yeah. And that's what I love doing. What's the best way to change your perspective? You think whenever we think something negative, Mm -hmm. we feel it. Yeah. So as soon as we start to get that negative feeling, like that's an instant sign. Because a lot of it's like doubt or fear or that feeling in your yeah, chest. Yeah, like, I mean, do you have anything you're feeling bad about? Um, Anything I'm feeling bad about? Um, You know, a lot of things in my life, but mostly, like, uh, not a lot of things, actually. That's a little dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> everything, everything. I feel terrible about everything. Um, I didn't go home for Christmas this year, and I feel a little... Uh, regretful for it because you know I hate missing family time and my family is very important to me but I also had to make a decision for myself yeah you know so sometimes I feel guilty when I make decisions for myself over others but I also have to remind myself like I have to take care of me first to be my best person for them right you know but like missing the holidays was hard for me and I and I still feel a little guilty so it's like how do I make it up? You know, how do I make it up later or how do I make it up to Yeah, and maybe it's like yeah, so that would be like oh, I'm not spending time, you know, over Christmas, but then it's like well, what's a version of that that I could create for my family even though I'm not there? Yeah. Like what's the how can I create that experience that's like your unique version? Right. When my my version was like I sent them the money that I would originally spend on a round trip ticket so oh, they can wow. have like you know, more money to do Christmas stuff. You know, they're not doing well because of the pandemic. Um, also, like, you know, FaceTime stuff during the day. Like, uh, I made them promise to all to buy ugly sweaters for everyone so I could get, like, a good group picture of all of them in an ugly sweater. You know, little things right. like that. Um, but, you know, it's still, like, we we hold those, I guess, expectations on ourselves. Yeah. Really, at the end of the day. And it's like I had to make a decision to protect myself and my family because of the well, pandemic. And yeah, and I think I think what you're what you're hitting on is also what is that emotion? You know, like like we'll go, oh, it doesn't feel good. Yeah. But what is is it feel shameful? Does it feel scared? Does it feel lonely? Does it feel sadness? Like right. part of it is just figuring out, which is so hard to do sometimes, is kick back and be yeah. like, well, what am I actually feeling? And what is that thought that's driving? Because it goes so quickly, right? Mm -hmm. It just doesn't feel good. And and it may be okay to also give yourself permission to feel sad. Exactly. You know, a, a few more things I noticed in your book that I just wanted to mention. For the listeners out there, you guys, make sure you check it out. Um, I love, again, like we were just talking about, I literally underlined regret like four times when it's the regret-driven decisions. Mm. And it's like, for me, even the holiday thing, that was a driven decision for me because it was about health. It was also about I had to get shit done. Right. You know, so I didn't have the time really. Yeah. And it's like, sometimes we have to make those hard adult decisions and then be okay with it, process the emotions after. Um, I also love the workbook style. But one thing that was really intriguing to me was the creating your dis your decision team. Yes. So it's like when you create that decision-making team, how important that actually is. And when I was watching how you broke it down, like um, between the different types of people, like people that you talk to, people that are influential or yeah. whatever, you know, there's so many different people. I guess we all already have those. We do. And sometimes so, we have to upgrade team members and sometimes yeah. we have to add so yeah, I talk about who is helping you make your decisions, everything from business to life. And 
and a lot of it, the people are friends, you know, yeah. like a lot of people in my team are friendships and, but it's really, I, I think it's a cool way. It's not that somebody's necessarily going to go, Oh my God, I need to get this or this. It, what it does is it helps you evaluate your life and realize you actually have a lot of people yeah, who will support you being authentic, who love you for who you are yeah, and who you can go to. You know, people have this idea of a mentor, for example. Like, I'll get mm -hmm. a, often asked by people, will you mentor me? Yeah. But mentorship happens through chemistry. And it comes through, like, it's it's not one of those things that you become an official mentor, right? Yeah, and true. So it's helping people understand just, like, the different people in their life that they could utilize more that would willingly help them. And we all have them. Yeah. And it's helpful to just kind of list them out. Yeah, I um I love the mentor thing. I mean, I think anyone can be a mentor for each other. Like you sometimes like we've sat and talked where you've been kind of mentor giving me advice. There's been moments where um you've sat and I've talked to you and yep. you've been a sounding board and vice versa. No, no, and where you've given me even even down to the wizard, right. I'm like, is this a coolest shirt? You saw the one decision <laughs> boxes before they came yeah. out. I send it to a few friends who I trust their judgment, like exactly. three or four people. Well, hey, what's your input? What do you think? What do you, mm -hmm. because I can't make a decision yet. I need some I need yeah. some other thoughts in it, you know? Well, and for the listeners out there, these are some of those people that he mentions in the book, which please check it out. We've got a sounding board. You've got the motivator, the visionary, the nurturer, the big picture thinker. You've got the helper, wise counsel, fun maker, connector, the advisor, the student. There's all these people. And when you start breaking it down, and like I was, I was like, wow, I have a lot of these people already in my life. So it's actually, it's not like you're recreating your whole life and no. your whole environment. It's really just about understanding what you already have and how you can utilize those people or the way you're thinking, stuff like that. Yeah. It's, it's a really smart and intelligent book, Mike. And Thank I love you. it. Yeah. Thank you. I guess my um, closing out question is always this with anybody that I interview. And it's really just like this book, One Decision... What does it mean to you? What do you want the world to get from this book? Like, what's your goals for it? And is there anything coming up that we can uh, look forward to even after One Decision? The reason I wrote One Decision and what I know works yeah. is we're all one decision away from better in our life. We all are. Literally. Yeah. And until we take a step back and get some guidance and assessing our life and looking under the hood a little bit, we don't know where to start. True. And so what one decision does is really simplifies it and makes someone feel good about themselves and authentic with themselves and making decisions as themselves. And I really, you know, for someone who's struggling with like feeling lost or complacent or just can't seem to get things on track, even though they tried over and over again, I know that this is the book that's going to help them get on track. So People stay connected to me with our empowerment group on Tuesday nights. You spoke at the, one of them six months mm -hmm. ago, way back when uh, people are part of my Facebook groups. They text me. So, you know, it's just staying plugged in. And in the empowerment groups, I'm going to start rolling out one decision. So, yay! yeah. Well, I know I can't wait. I know your fans can't wait. We are ready for the wizard to keep bestowing yes. these magical spells onto us. And thanks for letting me come in and interview you, Coach. I've had a good time. Thank you, Eureka. David. Yeah. Eureka, David, whatever. Just don't call me late for dinner. <laughs> All right. Thanks, <laughs> man. See ya. 
the always evolving with Coach Mike Bear podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and is not intended as a replacement or substitution for any professional, medical, financial, legal, or other advice, diagnosis, or treatment. This podcast does not constitute the practice of medicine or any other professional service. The use of any information provided during this podcast is at the listener's own risk. For medical or other advice appropriate to your specific situation, please consult a physician or other trained professionals.